this episode of Common Sense Amia, we'll be talking to the founder of Cormdale Holistic Center, a Louisiana-based 501c3 dedicated to helping provide cl their clients with plant-based and holistic healing options. This includes consulting the patients on the benefits of medical cannabis and CBD. Today's guest built a family and persevered through building a business that she would eventually have to shut down before starting the path she's on today. Chandra Broom, welcome to Common Sense Amia. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. So I'm kind of a rebel, a bit of a demographic outlier. I grew up in Rhode Island, which is like the northern New England version of Louisiana. Right. Okay. So I lived th three miles <laughs> from the ocean. My grandfather was it was what's called a bull raker. Right. So he'd go out every day and he'd fish the, uh, you know, fish the bay in the in the uh, shallow parts of the ocean for clams. Um, and for 30 years, he did this, maybe 40. Right. And he would like literally carry his engine, his boat engine. This is what my mom told me. I don't know if this is like, this seems pretty stretch, but this dude was tough as nails. Right. right. I'm a terrible grandson. I'm a worse Rhode Islander. I hate clams. I don't understand them. I don't want to eat them. I want nothing to do with them. Wow. I'm wondering if being from Louisiana, you can uh, relate to this or if you think I'm an insane person. Like this uh, is a, like this is a dietary necessity, <laughs> in, you know, worldwide. But where we live in our parts of America, it's you know, it's the economy. So Am I, I crazy? Insane, but okay, I'm in Louisiana, and yep. you know, we like like I'm I'm a Bayou girl, okay. So right. I live like in the country, you know, with the fishing and everything. I and it's like it. you don't eat crawfish here. Something is wrong with you. If you don't All eat right. seafood, people think you're crazy. <laughs> I went to a crawfish boil. So I this is living in Manhattan, right? So New York City, I was on top of this big building uh, yeah. in the middle of Manhattan. My friend was throwing a party uh, and he went to uh, Tulane or something like that. So, you know, he thought he was a, you know, a, a Louisiana boy. He's not, he's from <laughs> New York City, but he had a crawfish boil and I did, I, I, I didn't get it. What am I missing? What am what I missing? You, I, I think it's just the... You know, everybody getting together around a table, eating crawfish, having a good time. I think it's more of that than the crawfish. Because I hear people say, well, I mean, it's not even a lot of meat to even waste your time. But no. it's just the, the energy of just getting together with friends, family. Louisiana people that. like to party. Yes, that part is true. No. <laughs> you know, people like, oh, we go to New Orleans to party. Yeah. You know, everything's a party down here. You know, if sure. anything, Kristen and the baby, getting married, a birthday party. It's always I mean, a reason together a funeral like you know funeral? yeah yeah like the you know the mardi gras style i don't know what they're called the the, the new orleans funerals are like legendary yeah they're ragers yeah. i get that 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 makes sense the community part of it i totally understand that's like cannabis kind of too right yeah. like you know smoking a joint is fun but smoking a big joint with a bunch of your friends around the circle while eating crawfish uh even better right right put them together and it's really a party <laughs> So am I to understand nursing kind of ran in your family? Your great, 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 great grandmother and every one of your greats since then. It, it, Some from a long of, line of, med of medicine. Yes, a long line of medicine. Um, My grandmother, my well, my great, great grandmother. I was just kidding about that. I, yeah. I just knew about you. Really? But really, like my great grandmother. And she was um, she had like 16 children. Um, a great grandfather was a sharecropper, so they pretty much, you know, they didn't go to the doctor or anything like that. Mm -hmm. She had my grandmother at home, actually. My grandmother was born early, but she learned inches. She taught her children as well how to, you know, find things on around us for healing and different things like that. So when I was a little girl, my grandmother, she would tell me these things just in passing. And I used to think it was just like so fascinating. Like, you know, you mean I can yeah. go like get a flower and this flower does something, you know? So as a kid, I was very passionate about it. My grandmother, she worked, um, my grandmother actually lived in New York. She left Louisiana for a little while, moved to New York, got married. Um, and that's what she did. She would be a nursing assistant. My mom was a nursing assistant. And so it, it's just in me, you know, to do yeah. it. And I love uh, taking care of people. I love it. 
I mean, I mean, from everything I've read and heard about you just in, in past interviews, I, I think that was pretty obvious to me. And I, th- I think what was really interesting is like, I, I don't really have that. None of my brothers, like there isn't any sort of history, professional history in my family, you know, a line of whatever. My father wasn't a bit, you know, like I didn't start this, you know, inherit this company for my, like, it was nothing like that. So right. I, I definitely can't relate to that, but it's totally interesting when this like path just sort of happens. And then all of a sudden, like this professional path, all of a sudden just becomes like part of a family's DNA. And yeah. I think that happens a lot in medicine, like specifically in nursing, right? Right. You see that quite often that it'll be generations of nurses. Right. Even like doctors sometimes too, like especially down here where we live, like it's just normal for when the daddy retires, the sons, Son they pretty care. much pick it up and, you know, they just follow their dad's footsteps. So it's pretty common down here to see that. When did you know, like as as you were going through uh, your training to become a nurse, like when did you know that you wanted to run your own nursing business how soon did that happen um that was very by chance (laughs) i didn't know while i was in school um i didn't know when i started working that that's what i was going to do what happened was um i love home health because i like the one-on-one i like going in a home so i could really get a full picture of what's going on so that's just the type of nurse i was And so I ended up having a baby after nursing school. And when I went back to work, um, I went work for a home health company. And I didn't hear so like great things about this place. People would say, why are you going to work there? And it was like, I'm not worried about the people. I, w- I want to work. I want to be a nurse. That's all I cared yeah. about. Um, I and job. when I did in there, I wasn't comfortable working there. <laughs> And so I ended up finding out that, you know, because I'm a registered. Was that a systemic thing? Because because so like when I talk to entrepreneurs like this is not an uncommon thing, Chandra. Right. You know, Chandra, like this happens all the time. And sometimes it's uh, let's call it systemic. So you're just working for a bad company or whatever. And sometimes, especially with entrepreneurs, it's a little bit of ego, maybe mixed in with a little arrogance. Like I can do this better than they can. I should, you know, why, you know, my employer's an (laughs) idiot, whatever. What was it? It was systemic. It was bad company. (laughs) The boss was a jerk, you know, he was unfriendly, unappreciative. And so I ended up finding out he was paying me a whole lot less than other nurses. Yeah. And um, I was devastated. And how'd you find that out? It's crazy how I found that out because somebody I went to school with, my nursing school, you know, so I mean, we, we started at the same time, we graduated at the same time. She started working there. And I'm like, I said, this pay, it just, something's not right. I said, how much are they paying you? She said, well, they told me not to discuss it with you. It's like, ooh, that's a red flag, right? That and is I'm a like, huge red flag. I'm like, you know me longer than you know them. I don't understand. Like, girl, you've come to my house. <laughs> We've studied together. And so she ended up telling me how much she got paid. And that's how I found out. And <clears throat> so when I decided to quit, the boss, the rude boss, he asked me to stay. And I'm like, no. And so it was in that moment I said, well, if he can do it, I can do it. And so that's how I ended up starting my business. And I had it for 10 years. So it was uh, a little my- ego, too. Yeah, it was, it was definitely. That's okay. Little- that's not a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, that's not a criticism. That's a good thing. That's strength. You know, that's that's confidence. That's believing in yourself. You know, that's knowing that, like, I don't need to work with, you know, I don't need to work for somebody who's clearly going to take advantage of me. And I do want to point out, like, that whole thing that, you know, you you called it out yourself as a red flag. And I'm you obviously knew then, too, what you right. know now, which is. That whole, uh, uh, you know, mysterious cloak that employers sometimes will put on, uh, you know, their payroll is total bullshit and a huge red flag. And people should be talking about what they make uh, with their, you know, with their peers with, you know, because that's (laughs) that's how they're going to get an equitable share of of the work that they're doing. And I think, you know, it's 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 awesome that you recognize that immediately very early on so yeah so that's how i got on that path and 
I started a non-medical home care agency. So I didn't do like the, with the meds or anything, but we would send people into the home and assist like the elderly and people with disabilities with bathing, dressing, things like that. And that was 10 years of my life. I loved it. Um, we kept a lot of people at the nursing home. They were able to stay home um, until the end of life. You know, it was very, very rewarding for me to do that. Talk to me about those 10 years. I mean, like, so, you know, that's a a chunk of one's life. You know, that's that's yeah. a, 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 a big part of, you know, that, that, that's a, a good run. Um, what sort of lessons, you know, did, it, did anything surprise you in the beginning? Like, what was the hardest part? Obviously, like the day to day of doing your job comes, you know, with a bunch of anxiety. You're dealing with with people. You're dealing with right. people at the end of life. Like there's this, you know, I, I can only imagine that pressure as you know, you're starting a business. The hardest part was because, you know, we serviced the Medicaid population. And it was just dealing with the state, actually. It wasn't the patients. It, it wasn't the family. The day-to-day, -day, of course, when running a business, you're going to have situations. But I was able to tackle that. It was just really um, dealing with the state. And it had, like, a lot of changes over the years. It was very abrupt changes. It would be budget cuts. So it made it difficult towards the end um, to just really run the business with all of the changes that they, you know, had put on us. A lot of agencies ended up closing because of that, you know, and um, like that's part of the reason. Um, another part is like a part that I don't really talk about was I got really sick in 2016 and that was my 10th year actually. And I didn't know what was wrong with me. And I would go to the neurologist and they didn't see anything. And what ended up happening was the place I was in was like severely infested with mold, like the carpets, the walls. It was, I didn't yeah. know it was that bad. You know, um, I did run from a slumlord. So I, <laughs> it wasn't a surprise. Yeah. You know, um, he wouldn't do what needed to be done. But again, I just was in this mode of I, all I care about is making sure my patients are okay. You know, I'm going to deal with the environment that I'm in, but it wasn't until I got sick that I realized how bad it truly was. And one of the things with Medicaid is you have to be in a commercial space. And so that created a whole nother issue with me running my business and trying to stay open. And so that's how I kind of <laughs> I ended up closing on my health, location, budget cuts. <laughs> Well, 10 years though. And and so can you clarify something? Because I, I may have misheard this, but was part around this time is when you're so you got sick, you're raising your family, you're trying to run this business, you're living in, you know, you're surrounded by mold, it's you know, impeding on your health. This is around the time you find cannabis. Yes. So around this time, um, I ended up closing July first, twenty sixteen. And I said, I did this 10 years of my life, right? So when you abruptly remove something that is a part of who you are, yeah, severe de uh, depression, severe yeah. depression. Um, yeah. I didn't know how to function. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. Like, I just was, I feel like I just was in the wind. And I started using cannabis to manage my depression. Um, in the beginning, I can't say that I was like specifically saying, oh, I'm about to use this cannabis for depression. It was, I'm using this cannabis because it's, it's helping me just manage how I'm feeling. Um, you when were, I'm, I'm you just, hadn't used cannabis. I was not. And that's the thing. I always tell people, like, I'm not, I wasn't like 13 years old. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah no, I got it. I got it. <laughs> not, the, and know, I mean, this is not uncommon either. Not everybody, you know, is, is going to Grateful Dead shows or, you know, <laughs> out by the dumpster when they're like 12 or whatever. Um, you know, some, some people find it in their teens, some people find right. it in their thirties, whatever, like. And that's what it was. I, I found it in my thirties. Now over the years I had tried it like once or twice, but it was like nothing I felt like I needed to do or anything like that. Um, sure. I mean, I'm an eighties baby. You grew up with that, that commercial with that egg. Oh that yeah. That terrified yeah. me. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. And Nancy Reagan, yo, that lady terrified me. <laughs> And that so dog. I always, uh, <laughs> had the thing like, you know, uh, well, I'm not going to, you know, 
food with cannabis. How crazy is that? But I had no t- no problems taking shots of tequila. But anyway. <laughs> well, that, that just goes to show you what exactly, you know, you said you, you grow up and I'm the same way. I'm born in 1980. You know, I am a product of the dare thing. I'm a product, I, of, you know, war on drugs. I'm a, you know, all the McGruff, like all those things, like, right. you know, the Ninja Turtles, GI Joe, like they were all telling you not to do it drugs. Was as a kid. So much that they all just of them. programmed us to believe that it was a bad thing, you know, and no one was telling you not to drink though, is my point. Oh, so of course surrounded not. by this. Yeah. You're surrounded by this propaganda <laughs> pushing you one way. And that's, you know, most of America. Right. For sure. So when I did find cannabis, it did. I actually stopped drinking less. And even like to this day, I may drink like wine every now and then. But like I have no desire to like really drink like I used to. So, you know, I'm happy about that with my cannabis use. But like I was saying, I so I found cannabis. I was using it to manage my depression. I was a nurse, closed my business. I'm thinking, oh, they say nurses are needed everywhere. And I know it's hard to believe, but I could not find a job. I would go on interviews. No one would hire me. And this went on for like six months. So um, I closed my business. I can't get a job. I don't know what I'm doing here. It's like rediscovering myself all over again, you know. But you have this nurse, you know, this nursing license that you feel like you can always fall back on. And that's what I thought I could. But it took six months to actually get a job. And when I got that job, um... I just want to put this disclaimer out there. Now, when I was using, it wasn't like I'm just all into cannabis and researching at this point. I'm just using this to help me feel better. Sure. So <clears throat> I no wasn't like really you, there. Huh? <laughs> no one's judging you. Yeah. <laughs> I know, okay. right? It's like, that's why I it's love okay. my camp family. Because y'all just I be like, it. hey, it's cool. You know? Cool. Yeah, you're <laughs> <It's> good. <okay. laughs> And, and I think the Canna family, everybody, people like you, people I've met who made me feel like, stop beating yourself up about this. You know, mm-hmm. stop doing that to yourself. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And um, so when I got the job, I had to take a drug screening and I failed it. So I didn't know what was going to happen from that. Um, the following month, I did get another job. I passed that drug screening doing home health. I was in love with my job. I mean, it just, it was so amazing. Back nursing. And right back to nursing. And the next thing I know, the board is investigating me because I was reported for failing at pre-employment screening. This is where and things get very interesting. This is when things, oh yeah. <laughs> Got very interesting. So I had a decision to make. And I had to choose either suspension or I voluntarily surrender. So I felt very alone back then because, you know, for the most part, nurses aren't going around shouting, hey, let's let's put you on some cannabis. Maybe you should try cannabis, especially in 2016. A lot has happened since then. You know, the world has changed a lot. But back then, I felt very alone and I didn't know what to do. And if I chose suspension, I would have to go to rehab. I would have had to go to Narcotics Anonymous, which was an hour away from my house. Got to a gym about you, girl. So I would have to drive. Um, random drug testing for two years. I couldn't do home health, which was my passion, because I had to be shadowed by a nurse to give meds. And I'm like, at that time, I'm like, you want me to go to rehab for cannabis? <laughs> so that's Rehab, when, like literal rehab. Yeah, literal 28-day rehab. And just because I went to rehab, that doesn't mean I would have got my nursing license back. Because if my evaluations didn't see fit for me to get into nursing again, I couldn't do it. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a lot. Crazy. Yeah, that's a lot. Very crazy. Very crazy. And it's like all of this is just after closing the business and everything. And I'm like, I'm not going to rehab. Like, I, I, close I just, your, you close your business in 10 years. Yeah. You uh, get sick. Yes. You uh, can't get a job. You're dealing with some depression. You find, sl- I'm sure it wasn't even like, you know, the slightest bit of solace with, with, <laughs> with cannabis, right? It wasn't right. solving your problems. It was just helping you cope with them. Exactly. You finally are able to do the thing that generationally you've been, you, you're That's all is all, it's all you've ever done. <laughs> right. And they said, you got to go to rehab. And they told me I had to go to rehab. And be shadowed and, by a nurse for two years. Yeah. 
and the dread of drug testing. And I just was like, if I am actively using this to manage what I'm dealing with, my depression, as well as my blood pressure, because at this time, by then, I'm learning more and more about cannabis. I'm I'm understanding what it's doing in my body. I'm watching it help manage my blood pressure, keep my blood pressure down. And it's like, I'm getting punished for advocating for myself for wanting to self-medicate myself in a safe way, you know. And so I chose to voluntarily surrender because I was like, I just, I couldn't agree with that at the time. What they take wanted me through me that, to. Take me through that decision. Like, how... Was it, it was minutes? Hard. Did you know it immediately or did it no. take you like a month? You know, you didn't know. So I didn't, let's see, the investigation may have started like February, March. The final decision was in April. So I, I went back and forth. I talked to an attorney. I'm like, what should I do? I don't know what to do. Um, I'm like, I don't want to go to rehab. No. And the attorney basically said, <clears throat> the board doesn't care why. They just know that you did it and that you were wrong and they're punishing you. And it was like, okay. So the, this is what led me to my decision. I had a, I call it was a prophetic dream, <laughs> but I had a dream. I so I, I I was in a place, I was like, I don't know what to do. You know, you know, God, show me a sign. Like, you know, yeah. and I had a dream and in a dream I was, so I'm like, I love crystals and everything. Okay. I was walking through this amethyst cave and in this and it had a lady in there and I don't know who she is you know maybe it was a great 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 I don't know okay but she handed me a jade bottle and like I'm telling you this and like I could still see it so clearly in my mind and so when I woke up I'm like what does that mean so I'm looking up jade bottle and you know what does that mean and I came yeah. across a goddess and her name was goddess Magu. And God is my goo. One of the things that represent her is Jade. And God is my goo is the, the goddess of hemp and cannabis and healing. Yeah. So I felt in that moment, I was like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to trust because I prayed for this, that this message is leading me to where I need to be. And that's how I ended up voluntarily surrendering from a dream. <laughs> I guess I tell people that and they're like, but yeah, you know, I'm very spiritual. Um, I trust nature to give me answers. You know, I, I, I listen to the birds. You know, I, I, I trust what's moving around me to be guided. And I trust that that, that was my right decision to make. Um, you know, something that's like looking back when it happened and then looking how we went through COVID, and I know that the PTSD these nurses are dealing with, the nightmares nurses have from the things they've seen, you know, in a way it could have been a blessing because my mental health was already <laughs> fragile, right? I don't know how I could have coped with witnessing something like that. So, you oh. know, I think about that too. Like, you know, it was a tough decision. But then I think about like, you know, what we've been through these last few years with COVID. And I don't know if that was the type of nurse that I was willing to be, but I may not have had a choice to be that, you know, and I may not have had that choice to like really explore cannabis like I have and know the truth, you know, that it's not just, oh, helping me with my depression and my blood pressure, but so many things, you know what I mean? Like, so many things and just being a nurse and seeing patients sometimes have three big Ziploc bags full of pills that they're yeah. taking every day, you know, and thinking that if they use cannabis, how much of this could be eliminated, but like the medical field don't really talk about it, you know, and it, it is just, it became a conflict for me because I love being a nurse. I love watching people heal, but at the same time, it's like, I'm watching people be poisoned in my opinion you know it is a business it's not about health care it's not about the well-being of a person it's about how much money they could generate every day and that's very true in healthcare. and so after the dream and after the decision i was like you know what i'm gonna get into holistic wellness you know it's i'm not gonna be pushing meds like a nurse <clears throat> but i can still consult with people you know it, i can still help people figure out how to get themselves back to wholeness, just not in a traditional nursing type way, 
Yeah. So that's how my journey has been since then. It's amazing. I love that. <laughs> it, it's it. It's not an un. You know, your story is of course unique to you, but it's not an uncommon thing for you know. And, and basically, the 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 point of this podcast is to talk to entrepreneurs, really, like uh, you know, have entrepreneurial focused podcasts where we talk about that journey, right? And and almost always part of that journey, and it's like you know, a Henry David. It's like a Thoreau poem or whatever. It's like or who wrote the two paths diverged in a wood whoever wrote that mm -hmm. uh it is that like you come to you come to the fork in the road and it's do i go do i go left or do i go right and and always and and sometimes you know we hear about and this is me it's like you either get you know if you're me you get fired from your job or you you know there's always some push from the universe that happens whether or not you know it <laughs> but you right. know, but but i think the thing about you is that you were you've been self-aware the entire time you know since since first being taken advantage of by you know your first your first nursing employer right um, you kind of had this self-awareness that not everybody's graced with you know what i mean so like seeing that and being able to understand well despite uh this being in my blood this being the thing that i have to do I have to leave it behind. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and I, you know, and I was so concerned, Will, with my mom's response. Oh, tell because, me. Because, you know, and I got a mom. I get it. <laughs> but, you know, <clears throat> she has been extremely supportive the entire time. You know what gets her mad? She was like, I can't believe they took your license because of cannabis. Oh, yeah. They didn't give you your license back. <laughs> Yeah, she probably thinks you're the best nurse in the world, too. <laughs> oh, she yeah. does. And not just because I'm her daughter. She knows I'm a good nurse. Yeah, yeah. I, well, that's I, it, right? I get it from her. You know, I get it from my grandmother, the love and compassion for people. So, Absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. Well, I told you my hook for this was, was I was, I was, you know, he, I heard about this part of your story. And it just, I was, right. I was thinking about this i'm like oh man this lady she's she's had this thing in her blood for so long it's like you know kind of all she's known for for so many years like it's been passed down like this is all she's ever done and <laughs> and suddenly she has to figure out like what what way do i go and you reminded me of captain marvel the captain marvel <laughs> movie where where carol danvers finally realizes that you know this thing that she thought was good you know or whatever she thought this was one way and then she finally realizes like oh there's another direction and she throws down her gauntlet and says screw you i'm out of here like i gotta go this way i'm gonna go the way that you know so i was like this lady is captain marvel through and through I hope she gets this reference. And That's luckily, compliment. <laughs> that is because it is very hard to to do that. It would <laughs> to be walk so away. much. Yeah, it would be so much easier to be like, I guess I got to go to rehab for twenty eight right. days or whatever. Right. I guess I got to deal with some nurse looking over my shoulder for the. I guess that's what I got to do to keep doing this thing, or right. or maybe I don't have to do that thing because it's not making me feel good anyway. Right. 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 I love that. I, I love that you and, and that's like you just took a huge chance. You had no idea what was going to happen at um, all. <laughs> like at all. Look, well, I had I had a look. I had a little vision in my mind. Like, okay, sure. Holistic wellness is big. I said, I'm going to yeah. be like super rich doing this. So I'm not going to have to worry about money. And it was like it's like it really was rediscovering myself all over again transitioning into holistic wellness because I had to learn who I was not being a nurse, you know, mm -hmm. while trying to rebuild something else and <clears throat> very challenging. It's still not easy, but you're, you're Captain Marvel. <laughs> but it's been a wonderful journey. I will say that, like, I mean, where cannabis has taken me, I, I would have never imagined the rooms that it, it's put me in. I would have never imagined the support. Like, I mean, just from like people like you, like I said, it's just like, it's like, where were y'all when, when, when I was going through this in the beginning? Because I would have, I felt like I would have been so much stronger had I been surrounded by such good people who made me feel like just because you use cannabis doesn't mean you're a bad person. And a lot of people have to realize like that, you know, it's like, 
you have people who want to try it and they know they read about the benefits and all of this and they're still like afraid because of the judgment. And, and I mean, why are we being judged for how we choose to take care of ourselves? We're not hurting anyone. You know, we're not doing anything illegal. Well, I know what the federal is federally illegal, but like, let's be real. Let's, let's be real here as people. There's nothing wrong with it. Can everybody consume cannabis? No. But for those who whose life it does benefit, there's nothing wrong with how people choose to take care of their bodies. And I really wish that the nursing world would see that more. Um, I recently tried to get back my license and it's like it's the same thing despite the changes. Um, the nursing boards, they're governed by something called NCSBN, the National Council of State Board of Nursing. In 2018, it came out with regulations on how to discipline a nurse who tests positive. And compared to what they are doing to me, in comparison to what those regulations are saying, it's like, no way. They should be doing what they're doing. But you have to get them to acknowledge these regulations in the first place, and they're not. Um, are you they saying didn't the disciplinary go- actions are harder now than they were when this when oh no 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 they're less so you know i told you everything i had to go through but now with the regulations they have something called right touch approach and basically what it says is but a nurse is in a legal state you don't do anything to her but if the nurse is in an illegal state then you send her a warning letter you don't cause detriment to the nurse's livelihood because she pops positive and They have this in place, but again, the nursing boards across the board, across the state, across the country, I'm sorry, they are not adopting these regulations. Like none of the nursing boards in all the states have adopted these regulations to start to implement these changes. The bad part I feel about that is, there's a lot of bad about that, but one of the things is, you know, nurses are considered a trusted profession. When you you have a nurse in your family or a friend like, oh, I have a headache. Let me call a nurse to see what I need to do. Like, this is how people view nurses. Like, they just think you know everything. And it, you know, the fact that we have so many states moving towards medicinal cannabis, the ones who need to be educating, they're not there because there's not a push to make them show up. And so we have people who are new to cannabis you know, who makes experience things like hyperemesis and it's like, well, what do I do? Who do I talk to if the nurse isn't talking to me about this, trying to educate me about this? And so I hope that we see a shift. I'm in three nursing organizations, cannabis nursing organizations, which was a blessing. Um, I didn't even know they existed. (laughs) I'm like, so there's like really a thing like cannabis nursing when I found them. I found them in 2019 and they have a presence here in Vermont. Yeah. Vermont, uh, everywhere. We have cannabis nurses all across the country. It's just not enough of us. It's not enough of us saying cannabis is medicine. And I would like to really see that change. Yeah. Well, it's good to see that it's happening slowly, that this national board is allowing kind of state, you know, regulation to uh, influence the way that they, deal with this it's inevitable right yeah um do you think you'll continue trying to get your license back you know will it's so interesting you asked me that because um lately i've been going back and forth with that like i, I know you know how what happened and everything but i miss it so much yeah. You know, like I know some people get into nursing for the money, but like it's like it's in me. So I, yeah. I missed part of me. Um, well, how would it I, impact what you're currently doing? Like, is there is there an opportunity to, um, you know, add more value to the services that you're already providing by, you know, getting um, back? In my opinion, yes. And it's because it's like other things I want to incorporate with what I'm currently doing that does require having an active nursing license. Um, Can I continue without it? Of course I can, Mm -hmm. but I just have different goals now, more goals than I had before. And it's like, it really would help to have it back. Um, 
but I will say I don't want to go to rehab, you know? No, so it's I don't like, want you to either. <laughs> like, I want it back. I mean, unless you're about it, then I support you, but it doesn't I, sound like I, you need it. <laughs> I, I don't think I, you say you sound like I don't need it, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah I think you're good. I, you're good. <laughs> I thought the same thing too. I was like, I don't, I don't think I need rehab, but. Mm. No, and you, so um you might knew. if you they, might, if you they might follow the regulations if they were to implement the regulations that they came out with yes but i think that at this point right now because it would still be the same because even if i get reinstated i still would have to do all of that stuff because i yeah. wouldn't be active i would still be suspended with stays what they call it yep. so i still have to do the rehab the narcotics anonymous and all of those different things and I don't, I just can't see myself, you know, I don't know. It's part of your identity. Yeah. Yeah. It it is really has become part of my identity. The part of point, um, it helps me manage my health. So it's like saying, Oh, push cannabis to the side and maybe go get on a pharmaceutical, something that I know that I'm not okay with, you know? All right. So you're at this, this uh, fork in the road, you throw your gauntlet down, you captain Marvel your way out. You, you know, you take a left, you maybe take a, a, a you know, a totally different turn than, than you ever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> maybe it wasn't even left. It was more of a big squiggle. Right. But you, you don't immediately start your own business. Right. Like, so you have all this knowledge, your grandmother's telling you like, you know, this flower does this and that root, you know, does that. And this is, you know, learning about basically what would become holistic plant medicine. What, like, are you immediately thinking cannabis wellness, you know, I got to go this holistic route or is there like, you know, a gap? Oh, it take you some time to figure it out. I think that to like, put it together as a whole, like starting a nonprofit and everything. That kind of like I eased my way into that, I would say. But I feel like, you know, I knew I wanted to do something with it. I just didn't know how to do it. I mean, when you go to nursing school, like they basically tell you what to do. Right. Me, it's like I, I threw myself out there in the wilderness and like freestyle trying to figure out, okay, what am I supposed to do with this this knowledge that I have that I, you know, never really use in my nursing career? Because, of course, we have to follow doctor's orders. So I looked at it as an opportunity to really take my first teacher, my grandmother, <laughs> take what she taught me and try to figure out how to incorporate that into people seeing me differently now. And, even, you know, even though I'm not a nurse, people still say, Shami, you're a nurse. Like, uh, look, I got a question. Uh, well, it's not like that it. knowledge goes away. Right. Know? The knowledge doesn't go away. You know, it's no. just a piece of you're paper. You're not saying you're a nurse. You're not breaking, you know, any rules. You're, you know, right. I can only imagine the amount of people that have come to you and say like, hey, you know, they're lifting up their shirt. They're like, hey, can you <laughs> check this out? Like, what is <laughs> Seriously, like, yeah. seriously, like, what is this? And Taking like, their shoes off. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. Well, I mean, it took a couple months. Um. Not that yeah. long. And, you know, when you, I did make you my You were going to do something for yourself, though. Like, that right. was, you weren't going back to. Right. Like, I wasn't going back to. Like, I'm, this is, I felt like it was an opportunity to start another business, but to make it how I've seen it, how I felt it should be seen. Like, how I, how I think it should be. My own rules, you know, not worrying about budget cuts and different things like that. And. So with the cannabis side of it, when I made my decision, I told myself, I said, if I do this, I better learn everything I can possibly learn and never stop learning about cannabis. If I made this huge sacrifice, you know, I need to put myself out there. I need to educate myself as much as possible. And so what I ended up doing was, I don't know if you ever heard of THC University, but they had like classes you could take online. Um, they have like really? bud tender classes, different things like that. But they also have like educational stuff with just teaching you about cannabis. So I enrolled with them for like about eight months. Learned as much as I could. I just was like, you know, researching and I just dove head first into cannabis. And I remember going to see my doctor in 2020 before the pandemic. And, you know, people have this thing about not telling their doctor the truth. 
when they sure. say the docs. One of my do favorite you... TV shows is based on that. It's called House. <laughs> yeah. So, Every dude. episode is about a patient lying. <laughs> lying, right? And the doctor, what do you smoke? And what do cannabis users say? Smoke what? Smoke what? <laughs> he knows that you use cannabis if you say yeah. smoke what. So I talked to my doctor about it. And I said, you know, I've been managing my blood pressure with this. I said, but in and and my doctor, he's a holistic doctor. So I loved him about that because I can talk to him about anything. And I was like, well, just I, I need to tell you something. And I told him about my nursing license. And he said, well, he said, let me ask you something. He said, what's more important? Is it your health or is it ha you having that piece of paper saying that you're a nurse? And I was like, my health? He said, LaShonda, he said, you're going to be okay. He said, you're going to figure this out. He said, I know it must hurt. He said, but it's not the end of the world. And he said, your health is more important. And hearing that from him, it kind of made me be like, okay, even more with my decision because I made my decision, but I still struggled with it after, totally. you know, I yeah. still, I would have these moments, like, did I do the right thing? And then I would always go back to the dream, you know, and I felt like everything was falling into alignment. And when things fall into alignment, then you know, you must be on the right path. So despite me still feeling that hurt by not actually, you know, practicing nursing anymore, I still felt like I was going in the right direction. You know, I still yeah. felt like I got those signs from the universe that everything was going to be okay. And when my doctor told me that he did make me feel a whole lot better with that decision that I made. I, I believe you. I believe you. I think that there's like, it's not like, you know, again, on this entrepreneurial journey, like most successful people have at least a facade of confidence, you know, whether or not it's real is, is, you know, uh, an entirely different conversation, but the fake it till you make it thing is, is real. It's that very is, real. It's very real. And it's not like you come out the gate with that. That is definitely a lesson that, you know, for me, you know, I learn, I still learn, right? Like there's still a mask that I put on when I, you know, am the CEO of a company. Um, but mostly it's, it's, that's been built off like little wins and little validations. And, you know, like for me, similar conversations with people who I trusted, you know, and, and some of those conversations are more brutally honest and they, you know, they're not going to tell you what you want to hear, but they tell you what you need to hear. Exactly. Um, but on this journey, you know, like hearing those things and maybe even, you know, for me, it was like conversations like that, but also because I was actually building something at the time, like I had a thing I could sell like every little contract and they weren't huge, you know, like <laughs> they're still not huge, but they were way less huge then than they are now. And, you know, I'd get one or two, you know, over the course of a couple months in those early, early days, but that was enough to validate the business plan. It was right. enough to help me like figure out how to, you know, build this facade of confidence that would eventually become, you know, mostly real. Right. But that stuff doesn't come naturally. It's like a weird it's it's an unnatural feeling at first because you can feel yourself faking it, right? Like, you know, right. you're being disingenuous, but it's really just being disingenuous in order to empower yourself. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I'm glad that you had that validation. So, so you got that validation. You put your shingle out. You're a millionaire overnight. How'd it go? Like what, what are those early, <laughs> what are those early months? like? What, you know, you're building your business. You have to figure out how to market yourself. You have to figure out how to uh, sell yourself. You know, it's, it's not as easy as like, you know, end of life stuff. I figure where everybody dies, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> not everybody knows how to be well. Right. <laughs> um, it, it was challenging because, you know, I'm in the South and, you know, like, yeah. it's like, it's, it's common, but it, it's like, it's not really talked about with like herbal healing and different things like that. Um, okay. I, without too deep into it, you know, it has a lot to do with like spirituality and how people yeah. feel about things like with hoodoo and voodoo and how they associate these things with holistic healing, just because you're using herbs you know, so just let me say what my, what my issue was coming out the gate with this locally 
was people was thinking, oh my gosh, she's talking about herbs. She must be a witch. And I'm like, so, so the, so educating, (laughs) you know, and and this is, you know, add to the fact, you know, the same goes for the, you know, just the cannabis industry in general. You know, there is a huge amount of education that has to be done. Yes. um, to to your pros- prospective clients, yeah. right? Like the people you're trying to sell to, never mind, you know, like the general public has whatever uh preconceived notions about cannabis, about plant wellness. Oh, this is like some, you know, yeah. Rich, so it was, you know, it was it was very bizarre in the beginning. Um and I just, I just, huh? people were looking for your cauldron. Oh yeah, they Which, were. Like, where's her bro? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it was people who didn't know me, know my character, who would really amplify yeah. this. People who knew me, who knew I was a nurse, they knew my quality of work. They're like, oh, so she just must be, you know, changing things up a little bit. But when I started talking about cannabis, it was like, oh, my God, is she talking about weed? <laughs> What's going on here? Because, again, I'm in the South, you know, um, it's just not something that is like, you know, like really. It's still drugs. It's still yeah. drugs, right? It's still yeah, drugs. Yeah. You know, totally. it's still people getting arrested for possession and different things like that. And honestly, before I started talking about cannabis, I that was a fear of me openly talking about cannabis. You know, I'm like, like I'm a woman or something. I don't, I don't need them thinking that, you know, I'm over here and I'm El Chapo somebody because I'm talking about cannabis, trying to educate on it. Right. So I was very afraid at first to, like, be open about talking about cannabis. And then I just got to the point, like, you know, it is what it is. You know, well, not, o- not only is it is what it is, but that's <laughs> like half the battle of, of, you know, this choice that we've made, which is to have a professional career in this industry is fighting that stigma, that, that stigma. And right. it's because of exactly what we we're talking about earlier. Like everybody else grew up, you know what I mean? You're surrounded by people who uh, not only grew up with the same propagandist messaging surrounding them, but I would wager you grew up around people who were disproportionately screwed with, um, you know, based on the color of their skin or whatever. So, right. I, I can only imagine the compounded fear that you could feel coming into this thing, knowing, okay, I'm coming in this with an open heart. I'm coming in this, you know, from a place of good, but the reality of this is I'm surrounded. You know, I, I, I live in a place that this isn't uh, at all accepted and there's a lot of right. work to be done. I think that's the choice all of us have to make at some point. Like, you know, we have to come out of the weed closet and say, and you know, the, that's part of the importance of what we do. It's, you know, in this case, it's not, you know, I'm not selling websites, you know, you're not necessarily providing wellness services. What you're doing is you're destigmatizing and normalizing this thing that should have been destigmatized and normalized the whole time for you. It just happens to be a component of, you know, a, a wellness regime. And for me, it's, you know, these are marketing tools that every business should have and right. business, right. So, I can only imagine, I still feel that way uh, sometimes, not as much as I used to, but in the early days, like, you know, I I didn't put CEO of Canna Planners on my LinkedIn page until like two years after I was the CEO of Canna Planners. You know what I mean? Like it took forever. So it's not unusual, but I can only imagine that, you know, it crossed your mind. It did. For, for a while, for months, actually. And like I said, I just got to the point where I was start just posting about CBD, you know, like talk sure. about CBD a lot. And, the training wheels. We call it the, yeah, the, training, the, tra- wheel. put the, the training wheels and then take them yeah. off. And I think what really like propelled me to be like, I'm talking about this was um, with CNOC, Cannabis Nurses of Color, they do something called a speaker series. And I was their first guest. And before I did it, one of the founders, the one who interviewed me, Sandra, actually, she said, so, you know, if you talk about this, that you're, you're going to be talking about this, are you comfortable with talking about this and what's about to come from this? Yep. And I was like, you know, I, I might as well be comfortable talking about it. And so I did it. And, and, you know, after I did that interview, I cried for a week. I would go sit outside every day and I cried. 
Because you were scared or because you were happy? I didn't know at first. I, I, I was, uh, I don't know. I, I, I was, it was a whole bunch of emotions sure. <laughs> going through me. And you know what I think it was? It was a purging. It was a release. Because when it happened, I always would say I would never, ever talk about this publicly. I was so embarrassed. I was so ashamed that it was just a terrible secret that I was going to keep inside that I lost my nursing license because of yeah. cannabis. And I, I would tell myself this all the time that I would never talk about this. And so to talk about it now, and that was my first time talking about it, I think it was like a lot of fear of, oh, my God, people know my truth. So yeah. now I'm going to be judged. You're being vulnerable you know? and you're being vulnerable at something yeah. that's, you know, socially unacceptable. And for everybody listening, I'm definitely air quoting. Um, right. So, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I get that. I get that. It, it, there's a sense of freedom. Like you've now evolved yourself as a human simply by, you know, being well, honest and, it, and it's weird like because i have a i have a similar experience where like i i was on the news or you know whatever something something like, i was interviewed for something and it was like you know a year after i started my two years after i started my company right like i mm -hmm. i still hadn't like come out of that you know the 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 cannabis you know the professional cannabis closet i was i was de definitely in there and it's because i didn't know how to same exact thing there's like this level of shame that i have you know, 35 years built up and, and who knows how much longer generationally built up inside my soul. Like, how do I break free from this? So I, right. I have a very similar experience and I didn't cry for a week, but I can remember feeling just a catharsis like, oh, like I'm I told the truth. Yeah, I understand completely. Like I and that's how I felt. It was like I told the truth, you know. Yeah. And I think towards the end of the week, um, the tears got less. And you know how you <laughs> said, was I happy? And I think it was a, a happiness that I like released that off of me. I was holding my own self prisoner, being afraid, not talking about it. You I know, bet. keeping myself in this mental prison that didn't exist because since coming out, <laughs> coming out the closet, yeah. um, <laughs> I've been very supported. I've had a lot of support. Now, don't get me wrong. I've had people judge me, stop talking to me. Um, it okay. so, but it, it, it's okay because the good outweighs the bad. The support outweighs the people who don't support, you know. Um, and, you know, sometimes we do things and we really don't realize the impact. Yeah. And <clears throat> so one day I put on Facebook that somebody had flagged my posts, you know, and it was a cannabis post. And the, the the people who I didn't think even paid attention to the things I said, they're like, all you do is educate us. All you do is share information about the positive of cannabis and how it helps us every day. Like, who's who's flagging your post? Like, they were mad. Who is yeah. it? Let's find them. <laughs> and awesome. I mean, so I was, that's what I mean about the alignment of it all, that despite everything that happened, it's like the universe still shows me clearly I'm on the right path with this, even when it comes to the support, because that shame made me believe that no one would support me for doing that, that I would be judged and I would be told I was wrong and I'm stupid for making such a decision, you know, because when we go to college, it's not easy. And I mean, I had a baby, you know, early on. So that means it was very challenging, but I got through it. And, you know, when we go through these things to get to where we want to get to, and then you turn around and you're like, I'm just going to walk away from this. Right. You could be viewed as like, okay, she's a little bit crazy. You know? Yeah, totally. <laughs> it, the human condition is, is terribly sad sometimes. And exactly for, for what you're saying, like, the fact that we have to go through this life, which is beautiful and amazing and full of opportunities and, but equally full of sadness and tragedy and all this stuff, but we have to go through this life think you know, and, and we put all this pressure on ourselves for whatever, like, you know, not only do we have to like take care of ourselves, but we have to, you know, be, you know, we put this, this doubt on ourselves that all these other people around us are going to judge the way in which we do that and it's such a terrible shame that like every person experiences that like every I hate that. 
yeah. every person and every person thinks that they're the only ones who I know that. And so, it's like we in some kind of way we all in this together, you know? Like we 100%. all share experiences, we've all felt hurt, shame, embarrassment, being embarrassed about things we don't even need to be embarrassed about. Like we've all experienced that and it is a shame that as humans we we have to feel like that when all of us understand. You know, it's just like I wish we would get to a place that we all realize we're all the same here. You know, yeah. we all having these life experiences together. A lot of us yeah. are having the same, maybe not identical, but similar experiences that's getting us to the next level of life or bringing us to that fork in the road. You know, like you said, so many of us have gotten to that fork and Absolutely. don't know which way to go. And we hope that we choose in the right way. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think it's incredibly powerful. And I love talking about um, it, it's one of the most important things I think I try to touch on in some capacity uh, in all these conversations, because I'm hoping that, you know, people listening to this are either interested in, in, you know, whatever cannabis or, you know, hopefully I, I hope it's mostly about entrepreneurialism and, you know, shedding a light on the humanity of on, on all of this and specifically that part, like it's okay to feel like you're, you know, not going to do this great that you're going to fail it's okay to fail actually like yeah. all of these things that you feel are normal but you just got to say fuck it i'm doing this anyway and That's like right. i'm jumping in both feet you know and whether it's from a dream where someone gives you a jade bottle or if you're me you get kicked out of the building that you've been working in for, <laughs> for five years or whatever like that universe oh. is going to push you and you just have to be self-aware enough to be like that's the sign I was looking for. And yes. follow it. Yes. I want to talk about uh, maybe briefly just the ways that you try to incorporate cannabis in how you work with, I mean, are they patients? What do you call them? Your I call them clients. Clients. I call them clients. But, um, Your people. My people, yeah. <laughs> so... What's interesting is when I did put myself out there, I think people felt more comfortable coming to me. So this is how it happens a lot. They're like, you know, they'll come in my inbox and ask me questions, you know, what do I have to do to, to pass a drug test? And I'm like, look, I'm not telling you that because I'm not the last person I asked that to. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I haven't I, you I heard? <laughs> Maybe go research this. This is what I tell them. But what I try to do is, um, like, for example, I created, like, this free course. It's like a study at your own pace, cannabis one-on-one, and I just put it out there, you know. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to talk to me directly, but if you want to go ahead and, and learn about cannabis, you can do that. Um, one of the things I did this year, and I'm going to do it every year now, and I want to do more of it was... I call myself the 420 nurse. So on 420, I actually had a 420 event in Louisiana. And um, it was so cool. Like we were able to, I had samples from different companies that partnered with me, uh, CBD products in Louisiana, just want to be clear. <laughs> and I had like a pharmacist, um, a farmer, another nurse. I had a vet and I had all these people come together and just, you know, their perspective with cannabis. And I think, you know, hearing from these different people with these different experiences, it helps people to be more comfortable with cannabis because after the event, I had so many people who came to the event tell me, you know, I'm, I'm a medical patient now. You know, I came to the event and like, it was so much I didn't know. Or it was people who I've been smoking for years and I had no idea all of that stuff that they were talking about, you know, and- <laughs> That was just so rewarding, you know, to hear that they really got something from that. So that showed me that I need to be more vocal as far as community outreach with it. Um, my alma mater that I graduated from is like 10 minutes from my house. So every semester I go there and it's a stressless fest. And it's like working, not working with the students, but I set up a holistic table with holistic information, you know, and with the students in between their finals, they come stop by to these different tables 
And they're like, oh, you're a holistic nurse. And I was like, mm -hmm, I'm a cannabis nurse too. And they're like, you know, like you're talking about this over here. <laughs> I can do this for a living? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so look, and the nurses' students, they always gravitate to me. Not even me like seeking them out or them knowing that I'm a nurse, they just automatically come. And they're, oh, they always ask me, well, like why? you know, you aren't doing like the traditional nurse. I'm like, why is this the type of nursing? And I don't get into it, my story with them, you know, but I just said, you know, life shifted. I chose a different path. And I said, I believe cannabis is medicine. And, you know, I'm grateful for that experience that I'm even able to go and talk about these things with the students. But it also just also made me realize just how much education is important. Because I think people think just because somebody consumed cannabis 10, 20, 30 years, I've uh, been smoking weed since I was 13, like there's still a lot that people don't know. And so that much. There's so much that they don't know. <laughs> and even down to the fact that people still believe that the only way to consume cannabis is to smoke it, you know? And when I told this to my 74-year-old cousin who likes to hit some J's with me when she comes around, I was like, yeah, you know, I said, when I go out, I do gummies, you know, she was like, gummies, like, she's like, what's that? Tell me all about that. Like I said, she's in her 70s, clueless, you know, and so it's just so important. So I just try to, any, any capacity I can, any opportunity, I'm able to amplify cannabis as medicine to use my voice. I just try to do it. I love it. I, I love. And again, it's those little wins, you know, even. Mm, yes. Those cousin. little wins feel like big yeah. victory. So don't you can eat this stuff. <laughs> oh, she was like, you can eat it. She was like, so you're going to give me some gummies? And like, I'm like, I'll get you some. And I'm like, she's like, look, don't forget. And I'm like, <laughs> I won't. <laughs> I still laugh about I do that this. She's like in her 70s and, you know, smoking all, her, not all her life, but most of her adulthood. And it's just like to educate her, somebody who I've been smoking longer than I've been alive. Yeah, is 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 it's interesting and it's amazing. You know, totally. like you I have, said, I, I love this. You're getting it from both ends. You're getting it from the yeah. students, uh, you know, who you know. It, while I can understand not getting into your story like on the spot, like that story is important because, you know, same similar experience. I've gone and you know sat in on a bunch of lectures and been asked to speak at, you know, a bunch of colleges about cannabis marketing and entrepreneurship. And like the second you start just shedding some light and for you, it's, you know, on the, on the medical level. And for me, it was just on the, the commercial level. It's, you know, you can see that you can see the wheels yes. being like, Oh, there's careers here that don't actually involve like, you know, putting plants in the ground or, you know, whatever like there's there's so many applications and and routes to incorporate this thing that maybe they love into right a, a thing that it, maybe they're yeah. good at and that's another thing too like i think that we we're seeing a shift but we haven't seen the shift yet when people realize they could take what they love doing regardless of what it is and figure out how to incorporate cannabis into it when when that shift happens and like more people after this great resignation they say we had and all this, yeah. when people realize that, oh, I love cannabis. I love doing this. I can put them together. Like, I'm excited about where we're headed is my point with all of this. You know, the more people I say that wake up, the more people that come out the candle closet, you know, these next yeah. five, 10 years are going to be amazing, I think. I agree with you. And I'm excited yeah. for you, Shonda. Tell, tell me what you've got kind of on deck for the rest of this year. Like, what are your... <laughs> What are your business goals this year? Like, how, what what kind of moves are you trying to make? So, I actually more events. Want, it sounds like I want a physical location. I had a physical location before COVID, um, and it was I was just starting out, and then COVID came, it crept in, world changed, and so then really? I ended up. <laughs> yeah, the world changed. Can you believe it? What are you talking? What COVID? I don't know. I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> so I, I want to have uh, my own location. Um, so that's that's something I'm putting on a vision board, trying to manifest. Because, again, I want to have a space where people can come 
that's, you know, comfortable, we feel safe, and we're learning about cannabis, um, ability to be better try different things and to just see what's out there. Um, you know, we have a medicinal program here. People are still very unfamiliar with cannabis. So it's just like, I'm, I'm all about community too. Like that's always been my thing as well. Like just doing stuff with people in the community, doing stuff with the kids. That's why I like going to the university. But um, that's my goal. That's my big, big goal is to have a physical location. So I could be like, you know, you and your wife, come on down. Make an appointment. Come on. Let's we go. about to have this, this, this infused event. Come visit me. Get <laughs> some infused it. crawfish. <laughs> Maybe not, but I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll be there. Uh, Shonda Broom, I appreciate your time today. Please tell my guests where they can learn more about you. So you can find me on Facebook at Shonda Broom. You also can follow my business page. It's Coram Dale Holistic Center. On Instagram, I am the, like, DA420 nurse, and I'm also the DA Holistic Gypsy. And I'm trying to get into the TikTok thing. I'm still learning the TikTok. Oh, I don't get it. But TikTok, the same thing as Instagram, the 420 nurse and the holistic gypsy. <laughs> cool. We will link those in the description below. Shonda Broom, it has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. She is the founder and head of the Coram Dea Holistic uh, Health Center in Louisiana, a 501c3 doing the lord's work spreading the gospel about cannabis and other plant-based medicine thank you so much for joining us i have been your host will reed this has been another episode of common sense and we will see you later thank you so much